How you going guys? Welcome to another episode of the Ferika Podcast. This week's episode is actually our first official episode in our new studio. You guys will definitely see it on the social media content as well. Alhamdulillah, it's a big step forward for all of us. So today's episode, we got Kamal Ibrahim on. He, st- he played in the A-League. We spoke a lot about how he got to the A-League, his journey towards playing professional in his sport. We spoke about his upbringing, coming to Australia at the age of 12, dealing with a lot of racism and other challenges. We also spoke about his one ball program, which is looking to help the next generation in becoming resilient young people, as well as playing sport and striving for excellence. Hope you guys enjoy it. Okay, okay, this is getting good, yeah? yeah. <laughs> we need to give, just so you know, it is live. We are recording, like. Okay. So we're good to go. Thank you for coming, Kamal. Appreciate it, first of all. Thank you for having me. You're actually the first guest in our new studio. So it's actually an honor. Awesome. Appreciate it. By the so way, blessing. Studio, 10 out of 10. You should have seen the one that we were, I don't know why I was clapping for 10 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even clapping. This studio <laughs> is the first studio, mind you, compared to the other one. Long, tight. And Alhamdulillah, when we moved into this one, it's like, we couldn't have a third person or a fifth person into the yeah, studio. Yeah, so, yeah. so you're the blessing. You're gonna bless no, congratulations to you guys. You've done, Appreciate you've done it. a great you. job. Thank you. Right. So for our guests, we just want to bring some context. I know there's a lot to talk about with your stories, community work, all that. We just want to start from the start just so people understand who Kamal Ibrahim is. I'd like to know from the start, your journey, if I'm not mistaken, you're not born in Australia, you came to Australia? Yes. So let's start off there. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I was born in Ethiopia in a small town called Yirgachafe. I'm not sure. No, no. No. <laughs> but we're, we're about uh, to give us like... I'll, uh, I'll say, you know, Awasa. Awasa, Addis Ababa, Addis the Ababa, capital yeah. city. From Addis Ababa, drive is about eight hours. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so Rigaja Fair, it's famous for its coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably top 10 coffees in the world. Damn. Yeah, yeah, I'm not joking. You can research yeah, it. Yeah, I know it's the Ethiopian yeah. beans. I've heard they are. Top yeah. 10 coffee is good, but yeah. Rigaja Fair, the town where I was born, okay. famous for coffee. Was yeah. that in a town that coffee beans are famous for in the top 10 in the world? Um, does everyone's job revolve around the coffee? You know, like when you go to uh, tourist places, oh, yeah, like yeah. like Bali, yeah. like people go. If you want to make a living in Bali, work in tourism. Yeah, like that's what they say. And so, obviously, if you want to make a living in this town, is it coffee? Yeah, um, no, coffee is number one. Mm-hmm. But people have regular jobs as well. Okay, like my father. <laughs> yeah. no, I'm just saying, yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like imagine someone's like <laughs> become a doctor, you make a hundred k a year, yeah. or work in the coffee industry, and you make two fifty. No, it makes yeah. sense. It's, it's like true. whoa. It's like FIFO in Western Australia. Like Australia is big on it's like iron ore mining, yeah. Yeah. The number one export for Australia is obviously like mining and that. The number one from Ethiopia is coffee. Yeah, hundred percent. So it makes sense if people are working in like hundred percent. Yeah, but coffee is a very um, difficult business. Yeah. You gotta know people. You know the mm. people control the farm. Uh-huh. People control the supply. Correct. They control yeah. everything, yeah. right? So if you're working for them, uh, you know you're not making a lot of money. So if but if you have a farm. Then so if you're the business owner, you make the money. 100%. If you're the laborer, you don't. Yeah, like yeah, it, like yeah, most businesses, exactly, yeah. yeah. You control yeah. distribution. Yeah. That's how yeah. it works. Are you a coffee guy yourself? Yeah, I love coffee. Okay, Too much. Yeah. Was yeah. I telling you this? <laughs> <laughs> well, you kind of gave it away by, you know, insisting on having coffee. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you started it, so... Yeah. On your first date as well, yeah? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love coffee. I think everyone in Ethiopia... They, they wake up in the morning, coffee, mm-hmm. lunch, coffee, afternoon, yeah. coffee, oh. and they just coffee obsessed. 
And it's yeah. not like the like the Melbourne type of coffee. Bunya. Yeah, bunya, exactly. Yeah, yeah like yeah. straight what? like black. Black, yeah. And then like Wait, so just the beans pretty much. And yeah. then like yeah, no milk, no very concentrated with the amount. Oh, you of, like, can add milk, some people, but the coffee, it's sweet coffee. Yeah. You know, that's why we can drink it straight. Mm-hmm. Bunna. It's it's not like short black. Yeah. You know, it's a sweet it's got this sweet um you know, and yeah, they drink it like like it's not the whole day. Yeah. And the residue Whoa. of the coffee is actually left on the bottom. Like as well. Yes, yeah. yes. That's you know what's similar like to that? that? Turkey, like Turkish coffee was similar to that as well. Because oh, yeah. at the start of the year when I was going around my trip, one of my like little things that I done, I love coffee by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, the our audience probably already yeah. know by now. But I did this thing where I would go around to every single country and then rate, I wanted to turn it into a video idea, but yeah. you know, I got lazy. But I wanted to rate every single city or country that I went to, like their different coffees, you know? And I found that Turkish coffee, which is, rated very highly which i rated highly yeah it's similar to that of bun you is know? it yeah where you've got like the residue still left on the bottom yeah 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 compared to like a strong black or something where you just you can drink it all the way till the liquid's yeah, finished that's true you know but, but it's they strong. don't use the machine maybe that's why mm-hmm. but we use like the real fire and a, a clay well how about you call it yeah. it's like i know what you're um, talking yeah like Whoa. we make we don't use coffee machine to make it mm-hmm. we use like fire it's and it's heated and then yeah you have to put the coffee in there let it yeah. boil and okay. stuff like that when yeah. did you leave ethiopia how old are you so i left ethiopia when i was about six years old okay so the story is really um you know i was born in ethiopia i had uh, my father my mother they eritrean so you know where eritrea is definitely yeah, yeah so yeah. they moved to ethiopia when my father was about 20 years old um, and got married, started a business, not a coffee business. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <But> <laughs> yeah. and uh, he started a business. He had a shop. He had um, a farm. He had a house. So um, we all lived there. I had two sisters and five brothers. So a big family. And um, one day, the Eritrean government in Ethiopian they, they had a war. I think nineteen ninety eight, something like that. Right. Okay. Um, so what the Ethiopian government decided to do was kick all the Eritreans out of the country. Damn. And my dad was like, you know, when he had business, he was everyone knew he was Eritrean. It's a small village. He was the king, you know. Yeah. So one day they come to our house in the middle of the night, grabbed my dad, my two brothers, and they say, they just took, we need to talk to you. Whoa. Um, and obviously we woke up in the morning and, you know, we didn't know where they were. But the neighbors start talking, so oh, they they're collecting all the Eritreans and literally put them on the bus and send them back home, right? Oh. Yeah. So um, we didn't know still, so we didn't hear from them for a while. So what my mom and my other two brothers did was uh, we quickly uh, put our stuff o- o- on the on the bus um, and we drove to Addis Ababa, which is a bigger city, mm-hmm. um, and no one knew we were Eritrean, so we kind of hide there for a little bit until we heard what the situation was with my dad and my brother. And then we found out, yes, they're not coming back. They're literally um, on the bus with old ladies, kids, everyone, taking your business, everyone back to Eritrea. So when we heard that, you know, luckily my grandfather was living in Melbourne. So he escaped from Eritrea. My grandfather, he was living in Eritrea. He escaped through Yemen brought all his family to Melbourne and he heard our story and then he started doing the process for us to come to Melbourne. And yeah, after five years, we were so lucky. Um, we, we, you know, we, we came to Melbourne. 
Yeah, yeah. And you were 11 years old then when you came to I Melbourne? I was 12. Okay. I was 12, yeah. It's still at this point, I didn't know, like, I haven't heard from my brother, my two older brothers and my dad. Still and to this day? No, not to this day. Oh. When I came to Melbourne, mm-hmm. I think after 15 years, I... Um, no, not actually, not 15 years. After 15 years, I saw them. I went back home. Yeah. But when I came to Melbourne, it would have been five years. We didn't know where they were or what happened to them. And then, lucky my grandfather, he had uh, people in Eritrea. And, you know, he told us, obviously, my dad is there. My brothers are there. Um, and you're, yeah. like, you're like 11, 12 years old. So, like, you have recollection of Addis Ababa. You know, like yeah, you I know everything. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Do you remember the raw feelings at the time as well? Like, what the hell's going on? Yeah, it was weird. Um, when, when we left the small village, I went to Addis Ababa. I didn't know what the hell was going on. But I found out when people talking, my mom's talking, what happened, they're going to Eritrea and stuff like that. I was young, still five, six years old, I tried to kind of block it out. And this is where soccer become really like yeah. the thing that kind of blocked everything. I would just play outside the whole day. Did um, your mom sugarcoat it to you or she told you straight up like... Nah, they don't tell you. You know, African parents, yeah. you don't discuss, mm. you know, exactly. we just hear it. Um, like that's gonna, gonna be see back. you down be like oh by the way this is what happened and stuff like that no I just hear it from my brother overhear it when my mom's talking on the phone things like that but I'll never ask my a question or oh, where, where are they or you know what's happening yeah so you you got the puzzle together yourself, yeah you yeah know, you put yeah it together yeah um but no I got the story of exactly what happened when I got older and I actually saw my dad and my brother and they told me exactly what happened Wow. You know, so they put us on the bus. They drove us at night. It was night time. They put us on the border, gunshot everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, mothers crying, kids screaming. And I just could not believe it when they told me. It's unbelievable story, to be honest. Uh, and, yeah, we were so lucky enough, like I said, we had the chance to escape to a bigger city. Um, and then my grandfather did um, the process for us to come to Melbourne. Yeah. How was and it for you initially? Being 12 years old, moving to another country that you probably haven't even like really heard of and or know what's going on there. Yeah, was the the language barrier as well? Not. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't want to come here. Yeah. You know, I was 12 years old. I was loving being in Addis Ababa, my school, my friends. You know, it's when home. you're a kid, you know, yeah. you don't care about where you're going. Mm-hmm. You know, I was playing soccer. I was so happy. Um, you know, and my mom didn't even tell us we're coming to Australia. You know, she hide it from us. <laughs> what she, what wow. she to literally <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe a, maybe a <laughs> week. You yeah. know, we used to go to interviews, like to do the process, right? Yeah. You have to go to interview, they ask you a question. And my mom told us, Oh, we're going to interview because you're gonna get a better uh, you're gonna go to a better cl- uh school. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was excited going to interviews True. and yeah. stuff like that. And then one week before she's like, We live in the country. And I was so upset, you know, I had to tell my teachers, my, my best friend, they were upset with me. They're like, how could you not tell us? Um, but then, you know, she told me why. Because she didn't want people to know where we're going because, like I said, we're Eritrean. Yep. If people find out we're Eritrean, you know, they So you talk, were you know? Eritrean, living in Ethiopia for five years in this... Um, yes. And peop- no one knew that you were Eritrean? Nah, nah. Well, we, well, hopefully not. But <laughs> yeah, no, only because people have though. this like idea. Obviously, these guys are in Ethiopia, and they can't tell if this guy's Eritrean or Ethiopian. 
because people Cause now the like people, they'll be yeah. able to look at um like a lot of east africans like uh legendary when he's around friends like you'll look at some like that guy's from ethiopia that guy's from eritrea yeah. and yeah. you can tell straight away yeah now the locals can't yeah. even tell yeah. it's like whoa ethiopia eritreans like the habish here yeah it's a bit harder to tell it you know, is. Five years and they couldn't tell. Yeah, but, it, we, but, but we were born there, yeah? yeah. Like we spoke okay. Amharic. Like, uh, you know, we, we were born it didn't there. didn't sound we, like we were Ethiopian, yeah. pretty much, you know? Yeah. Mm. So the culture is the same, everything the same. And, you know, we hang around with only the people who we knew. Um, yeah. You know, we didn't mix with everybody. Mm. So. How about but if it was Tigre? Would it, would it be more obvious? I'm not sure, man. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. What's Tigre? Uh, another th- yeah, another, it's like another tribe, tribe, yeah. Tribe, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, but yeah, because you were pretty much born there, you spoke the language fluently, you could get away with it. Like you literally oh, yeah. were Ethiopian, did, like yeah. you said, yeah. Absolutely. And they do they did test us, you know, they used to come to our house and test us, you know, the police. They being who? I think there was one time I came home and then there's police, you know, asking my mom questions, speaking to her in Tigrinya or something to see. No. You know what I mean? Yeah, oh, there's a I lot of really that. If you actually oh. Absolutely, oh. yes, yes. This is know? the government, and yeah? they used to catch people like that. So they used to catch people, you know, they say t- something integrating out to them, like sit down or something, and then they sit down, and then like, okay, <laughs> you, you're not Ethiopian. So you know, they used to, Damn. yeah, it used to be a lot of things. So, but we were lucky, you know. I don't know when when Allah says was supposed to be, you yeah. know, yeah. that what that's what happened. And yeah, uh, and but I didn't want to come to Australia, but when I got here. Mm then everything was obviously crazy you know i didn't know about the country i didn't even know where australia was um, yeah true i didn't know i had no zero i don't i i didn't know if it was in europe or america nothing man yeah. nothing literally just jump on the plane mm. and landed here and figured it out was soccer always in the picture for you like even back yeah back in ethiopia yeah so i grew up watching my older brother play soccer I used to follow him around, clean his boots. He wake up six o'clock in the morning. I'll go with him. Uh, they have training in the afternoon. I go with him. I was just obsessed with soccer, mm-hmm. um, and that was probably the best memory of my childhood playing soccer with my brother, my older. I had uh, five brothers, so I used to play with them, and just being in the environment, watching them play, because they played for like um, a team. And Ethiopia, they love football, you know. So mm-hmm. every Sunday or Saturday is a game. Just being around that, that was that's my best memory in the village. Mm-hmm. Can I ask? Sorry, that just it came to mind. Um, you obviously played in Ethiopia, or you saw your brother play when you were younger. Yeah. When you see natural talent, is there a country in East Africa that stands out the most? That oh has Allah, the most. Of course, he's gone down. Eritreans for sure. Eritreans. Yeah. Okay. Khair, inshallah. Just uh, no. Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's he's Eritrean yeah, himself, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, I think that yeah. goes no, against Eritre- the point. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it does. If he yeah. was in Ethiopia, he would probably say Ethiopia. Yeah, yeah, so. nah, <laughs> yeah. nah, I think uh, it's hard. You know, you, you talent comes from everywhere. To be honest, but East Africa, where well, you have Somalia, Eritrea, Somalians are good too. I've seen some yeah, good Somalian bad. players. Yeah. yeah, but I feel like you know, few people I've spoken to, they they say Eritreans, and I've mm. seen some Eritrean players as well. Well, the only other soccer player we have we've gotten on was an Eritrean guy, Who? Amr. Amr. Abdullah. Amr Abdullah. He played. Oh him, yes, yeah. that's the Antino. No. Uh, now he plays um Harderberg United. But he played. But yeah, he, he used to yeah. he used to yeah. live in Estonia. He was playing there. Okay. And then we got him on just to chat about his story as well. Yeah. So the only other. So who's the only uh, Eritrean player playing in EPL? 
Hey. East African. Yeah. Ishak. Uh-huh, he's Eritrean, yeah. no? <laughs> Any but comments? I was, I was just <laughs> telling you. <laughs> Are you Eritrean this episode? I was just telling you. I know this is Yeah. Okay. Eritrean, they have just, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Just a little bit. Alhamdulillah. I, I just want to, if you don't mind, yeah, just because it's quite interesting being 12 at the ripe age and moving to a whole new country. Yeah. You know, like we sort of had like the opposite experience. Experience. Like I was born in Somalia, lived in Ethiopia for a little bit mm-hmm. and then came here to Australia and I went back to Somalia for the first time when I was 12. Okay. So it's like the complete opposite, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? And I remember leaving Australia at the age of 12, not leaving, gone on a holiday back to my home country. Yeah. And I was thinking, damn, what's Africa going to look like? Yeah. You know what I mean? And I remember my first like memory, seeing like a goat going this way and all that kind of <laughs> yeah. stuff. And it's like a whole like shocking experience, you know? Mm. Could you tell us about like that first moment and when you came to like Australia and it's like it's just a bunch of white people pretty much, you know? Yeah. Welcome to the league moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the country moment. Yeah. Well, like I said, I didn't know whether it's going to be Asian country, African yeah. country. I had no idea mm-hmm. when I said this. I'm not exaggerating. Zero. Um, so when I came to Australia, to Melbourne, I went to Port Melbourne. So Port Melbourne, if you guys been there, beach, you know, beautiful, yeah. green, and first time I ever seen water, a beach in my life, and I just think I was just thinking, what the hell is this place? You know, um, you know, go to uh, my apartment, you know, food everywhere, open the fridge, there's food there, just small things. I remember things like that because I was twelve and I didn't ha- I didn't have these experiences, um, and and just seeing so much grass, like soccer pitches or or just on on the on uh, on the street small things like that it was like oh, this place is different you know what i mean in a good way um but then as i was started living and seeing my neighborhood and stuff like that then i started realizing okay maybe this place is not for me because i walk around there's no people look like me i get on a tram people looking me weird i go and try to play basketball kids saying they were saying things which I didn't understand because I didn't speak English, but just by bo- their body language and the energy they were giving me was like, this doesn't look, you know, it mm. doesn't feel right. Um, but then I, uh, slowly, slowly I realized it was racism. Um, and then I, I went to school and people start saying things to me. By then I understand English a little bit. So I'm like, okay, this is what happening. So it was, it was very difficult for the first, I'll say, a year trying to figure out, okay, well, I'm here now. How do I fit in, you know? And also, how difficult was it? Because sometimes with raising kids in a country that they don't speak the language, it's really um, hard for them to adapt. Some kids can flourish and after that will make all these friends. And some kids go, uh, like because of their personality, they'll go um, mm-hmm. leech, lean on themselves and just be solo. They yeah. won't really try to go out of their comfort zone because when they do try to speak English, they get teased. Mm-hmm. Or when they don't have a sport, they don't have that outlet. Um, did you see that kind of thing? Like, was there a moment where you're like, not bad luck, I'm just going to, you know, get out of my comfort zone. I didn't care if I get laughed at. I'm just going to keep trying to speak, play soccer. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. I think I think I was very shy to, to speak or try to do other things, but I always wanted to play soccer because that's the only way yeah. I can be different than everyone else, you know. And so when it comes to anything in class, I wouldn't speak or I wouldn't say anything. 
but I will wait to uh, lunchtime or recess, and then I'll just yeah. play soccer. Share them his boss. You know, and, <laughs> yeah. and then they look at me like, oh, this kid is something, you know? Mm. And then I get a friend or two from that, you know, because they, you can see you've got talent. Um, so I remember... I remember one day um, I was outside and my neighbor, he was uh, Somalian. He was mm-hmm. half Somalian, half Australian. Half, mm-hmm. half. Half, half. Oh. And, and he was the only like African mix in yeah. the neighborhood, right? And uh, he saw us. He's like, oh, it's cool. You know, yeah. where are you from? I told him, he's like, oh, my dad is Somalian. You know? <laughs> I'm like, cool. He's like, can you bring me a f- football? You know? <laughs> And he ran upstairs and he, he got me a footy ball. <laughs> 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 and, and it's the first time I'm seeing I was like, what the hell is this? Yeah. He's like, football. I was like, no, it's not football. Football, man. Yeah. And then after a while, he got me. And then he ran upstairs and got me soccer. And he liked soccer too. Yeah. For some reason, he used to watch EPL. He got me soccer ball and I started juggling the ball, showing my skills. And he was like, I'll take you to a club, uh, Port Melbourne, probably five-minute walk from my house. And he took me to that club, and I'm not sure if we jumped the fence or not. Because back then they closed everything. Um, we jumped the fence anyway. Let's just say we jumped the fence, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. and uh, we started playing just me and him, um, because there was a game on the first pitch, and we're just playing on the second pitch, me and him. And then the coach saw me, and he kind of spoke to him. Is that coming? And quickly got me a bib and um, soccer boots, like oh. size eleven or twelve, you know. And then he's like, go and play in that team. I think they're having practice game, you know? Mixed team. They had girls, boys. And I just remember playing and just taking the ball from the keeper, dribbling, scoring. I had no no coach. Yeah. I've never seen cones. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nothing in my life. Offside, no nothing. Mm. Literally score, come back to the keeper, get the ball again, scored. And they were like, what the hell, who is this kid? And then that night he came to my house um, and he spoke to my uncle, my grandfather. He said, look, we're going to sponsor him. We want him to play, blah, blah, blah. And, um, and then I had a soccer team, and that's when everything changed, you know? Wow. Yeah. Wait, how far back is are we going into this? So This is like 2000. I came here 2003, yep. so this would have been 2004. Oh, within basically... Just one, yeah, one year. Yeah, within a year you started mm. integrating. Wow. Yeah. Well, shout out to that friend because pretty much he like... Yeah, yeah, a lot absolutely. Of doors. Yeah. yeah, another Somali brother. Yeah, he was. <laughs> Depends yeah. if his father's Somali, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but even, even like the that. coach taking the risk, like... Yeah, so... That's big, man. I'll uh, sponsor you, I'll take care yeah. of you, you know? Straight away saw him, he gave him bibs and shoes, like... Most coaches wouldn't do that. Absolutely. Told them to yeah. as well. That's kind of rare as well. Yeah, he's a special person, you know. I, I don't, I'll talk about him maybe afterwards, but he's, yeah, without him, I don't think, yeah, a lot of things that I've done, impossible. You know, mm-hmm. he was my father in Australia, and he well. was from a Greek background as well. Mm-hmm. So ever know. since that moment, you, I'm sure you stuck with Paul Melbourne, right? With the youth, yeah. youth, youth um, years. Yeah. And then... When did it get to a, a point where you realized, you know, you got old enough as well to realize, oh, there's more opportunities coming my way. Maybe people are talking about me. I'm g- going to get the opportunity. I can maybe p- take this full time. I can take this to the professional level. Yeah. Was there ever like a moment or maybe that coach you spoke to where you recognized I can actually get something out of this? Um, not for a while. I just, man, how do I say? I would just love football. I, mm. I loved soccer. You don't... It, to a point where 
nothing else matter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not school, n- nothing, just that. So it was, I've never was like, oh, I'm going <coughs> to play for a club one day or get paid. It was nothing like that. And until, obviously, I got older, um, people start saying, you know, oh, yeah, you can make a living out of it, you know. So going back to the coach I was talking about, you know, okay, now I'm in the club. But who's going to take me to training? My mother, my dad is not here. My mother doesn't drive. My two older brothers are too busy working or whatever. So it's not about just getting in a club, but who you're going to go to three times a week training. Who's going to take you to games? Mm-hmm. So this guy I was talking about, his name is Fred Demetrius. He was my coach. And when it comes to games, he used to take me to the games, drop me home. And he would push for me to do trials at the state team. Um, and he took me to state team trials and he told the coach, put this kid in. He's really good. And the coach is like, huh, we never heard of him. Because mm. the soccer circle is very small. Yeah. They know Who's which good, kid's yeah. been in Australia, which kid's been at the club. I just got to Australia. And this is after one year. And said, yeah. we never heard of him. Why would I give him a chance? He's like, I'm telling you, give him a chance. Anyway, he got me a chance. And then that ca- that's the way I kind of got to the state team. And on, only I've been one year in Australia. I was playing for Victoria, traveling to Sydney or this, that. Still no offside. I don't know offside still. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm telling you this Same real life. Level, I yeah. was offside nine, ten times because I was playing a striker and the coach was very frustrated. Um, but he kept playing me, keep playing me. Um, and then this coach uh, I, I talked about, Fred, he, you know, kind of encouraged me and he said, one day you're going to play for Australia. And I still remember when he said that to him, like, what? What are you talking about playing for Australia? I just got here, you know? Mm. I don't even know what playing for Australia is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? But after two years, I was playing for Australia. Joe is uh, under-17 national team traveling all around the world, uh, singing the national anthem. And, I mean, I can tell you stories about yeah. that. Just that experience is made me... Um, the person I am because I learned a lot of things uh, moving away from my house and and you know not <laughs> everything was amazing uh, yeah. I had a lot of things even my teammates didn't want me to be in the Australian team um, wow. saying racist things to me coming to fight me there's a lot of things what team happened yeah even my teammates yeah, yeah because don't forget you're talking about soccer like I told you it's small so you got this kid from come from Africa yeah and he's not he's just coming and taking your sport and yeah. he's african he's muslim mm-hmm. and and they didn't like that mm-hmm. right so i'm just gonna put it that way they didn't like that for i didn't know why mm-hmm. i'm still like, well, i'm your teammate we're winning we're playing together mm-hmm. but i had so many um what do you call it uh qualities where the coaches kind of you know, loved me. He always played me, always talked about me. They, and they didn't like that, you know. So I feel like they tried to kind of intimidate me. Mm. Um, but through that, I learned a lot of things. That's what I'm talking about. But yeah. I never fought them or anything. All I used to do is like, okay, you think I'm not good enough? You don't think I should be here? Then I'll show you on the pitch. And that's that kind of even helped me a lot better to, to achieve more things. Yeah, You know, those qualities, like such as self-belief, like the determination and all that did you know you had that within yourself like was that already built within you or was it only till your coach instilled that or showed that in you 
Did you start to realize you had it? Yeah, I think growing up in Africa helped me a little bit. Um, uh, developing that resilience um, we talked about early on. But I was just learning as I go. I don't know for some reason when someone is mean to me or, or racist or things like that, I never fought them. I don't know why. I just said, okay, I'm going to show it on a soccer pitch. Yep. And I'll play the best game I ever played if every single time whether I'm scoring, assisting, or being best on the park. And that's just the way I dealt with it, you know? Um, and it helped me in a good way. It fueled you, basically. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. You and some people, you know, that some people love that. When yeah. You know, for me, yeah, if, uh, I was, you know, pushed me more to do more, you know, when yeah. someone's against me. So that kind of helped me a lot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you're, so you're basically, obviously, going through the levels because of the qualities and the connections of all the coaches helping you out getting the opportunities and you were trying to of course fit in because you're still in the young ages in your teenage years you want to fit in <coughs> how how was that in terms of just socializing and feeling part of a community because yes like you're saying one thing you're playing on the pitch proving people how good you are but then how was it in terms of just socializing interacting with people yeah absolutely i think that's that's why sport in general but soccer is very underrated uh, because not only forget about if you become professional soccer player or not but for 12 years old what that club gave me the sense of belonging and someone caring about you and someone saying um, welcoming you that meant the world to me mm. you know what I mean just whatever happens at school or on the bus when I come to that club I had my teammates, the coach, um, believed in me and it was it did so many things for me as a teenager and then obviously after that you get confident and stuff like that. So um, talking about, you know, talking to, not everyone was my friend um, but I had enough support for my teammates and my coaches for me to be able to be comfortable enough to express my feelings and to uh, to show them what I have on the soccer pitch. Mm. Was that, is that what yeah, you're yeah, talking yeah, about? Exactly. Yeah, Because yeah. I think we do undervalue sports in general, the sense of community, and especially at the younger ages. I think it is vital for kids because maybe there's a lot of parents that aren't really valuing those opportunities for the kids. Yeah. Or even when they do put them in, it's the first step of putting their kids in, but then also you interacting with them and finding out if this is the right place, because maybe it's not the right place. The, pe the types of people they're interacting with makes an impact on them and their character. Yeah. So I think it is It is 100% one of the most important things. Yeah. I think the best thing pa any parent could do for their child is put them into a sporting uh, clubs, whether it's basketball, tennis, anything, any sport. Um, because most of the character strength we're talking about yeah. You develop that in there. You know, you're talking about self-control, um, uh, patience, patience, um, uh, resilience, mm -hmm. uh, bravery, teamwork, leadership, mm -hmm. all this character strength that will be benefit for them when they grow older. You experience that in any sport. Yeah. Do you have a specific story that always comes to mind from your teenage years that really still shapes you and who you are today? Or it's like a lesson you try to instill in the kids you're training and stuff. Is there something that comes to mind? It's like, yeah, I remember this. You know, always stuck with me. Yeah, a lot, man, a lot. Um, 
There's one, yeah, there's one story that sticks with me. And this is when I was professional player with Melbourne Heart, now Melbourne City. Um, I don't know about um, what you guys think, but from a culture where I come from, if you're five minutes late, you're super early. Like, that's, like, really good, man. Is that you from your culture? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> oh. so I was going to say, similar, I'm thinking African, you know? I mean, they come late, two hours late. You invite them for lunch or dinner or anything. You know, one hour is, two hours is... It's okay. Normal. Mm. Yeah. It's normal. Yeah. And I grew up in that culture. I grew up where I didn't see my, my mother and dad waking up early, nine to five job, everything's disciplined, time is so important. Mm. Um, so it took me a, a while to understand the Australian culture and how important it is to come on time and discipline, right? Mm -hmm. So one day I was um, playing for Melbourne Heart and I came to training five minutes late. You know, they just started warming up, right? I didn't want to be late. Actually, what happened was it was daylight saving and I forgot to turn my, my time, Right? Because I thought it would just automatically would turn. And then I got up, I was late, and I still made it there, but I was five minutes. They just started warming up. And the coach said to me, Where are you? Oh, I tried to explain to him, what's that life saving? I didn't know it was my phone, blaming everything, you know? He's like, not good enough. So he made me do laps the whole session, an hour and a half, two hours of training. Oh Day training, God. I'm doing laps nonstop. And, and I think halfway I started crying because I realized what I did and how how important from that day on I, I you know I try to come on time all the time and that's a, the lesson that I'll say the most important thing what I try to tell the young kids you know um, there's no excuses have 10 alarms if you want I don't care you know what I mean oh my there's no you have to be there right on time or come early. So from then, I used to, because my mother, like I say, my father, no car here. My brothers ain't going to drive me to training. Everyone else had a car or someone was dropping him off. I used to catch a bus from Port Melbourne to Bandura, two hours. Oh, yeah. Right? So if I catch the early bus, I have to, I'll have get there an hour early or 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. I had to do that. So I used to wake up and well, get two-hour well. bus and still I'm the first one there wait for... 45 one hour until everyone comes and do it again but that's what you had to do you're not gonna do laps again for sure yeah that's i'm not gonna do two hours yeah. yeah yeah but that's that's a lesson i'll say i think you know you are responsible mm. to come on time I, I think with even being punctual like sometimes it's your upbringing that kind of shows you like this is an important thing and sometimes you don't know the reaction of other people when they're annoyed at you when you come late so yeah. how do you try to teach that to the kids do you also punish them if they come late like when yeah, like, you know what yeah. I mean? It's, it's, it, cause <laughs> I tell true, people all the time, like, it's Aib, like, you know, people are waiting around for you and you can't do that, yeah. you know? And people are like, yeah, and then they come late again. But then that's the year true. they're saying is like they don't even register, yeah, right? Because it's like, it's like so normal to them. Like, like, I came 10 minutes, what's the difference? It's yeah. like, what's yeah. a big deal? And then it's punishment is what makes now, you remember. Yeah. So. It's not a big deal now, but it's a big deal when you get older and you have a job and you have people relying on you. So I think it's very important. You have to teach them from a young age. Um, but then it depends how they grow up as well. It's most of the time it's the parents' job to, to do that. And with my story, you know, there's no scientific proof that if I come on time, I'm going to perform good, yeah. right? 
So I would have Brazilians in my soccer team. They're like, it's ridiculous. We have to come 45 minutes early in Brazil. As long as we're on the pitch, <laughs> right? For training, literally yeah. on the pitch, the coach is no problem. And Brazilians are the best players in the world, mm. yeah. right? But we're not in Brazil. We're in Australia. And Australian culture expects us that way. And that's something, that's what you have to do. And if I go to Brazil, I'll do what I have to do in Brazil, you know? Yeah. So, um, and this is what I'm saying. You have to teach them that from, you know, whether it's punishment. At one ball, you know, we try to do 10 push-ups or 20 push-ups if you come. They're not going to run two, two, two hours, laps like yeah. me. But, you know, we try to do that slowly, um, slowly, slowly. But they're young too. Don't forget, it's the parents who come late. They don't mm. drive yet. Exactly. It's that sense sure. of accountability as well. Do you know what I mean? But we're trying to teach the kids. Mm. So, um, you know, tell your mom and dad, say, I have to go because my coach is going to make me do 50 push-ups, you know? Yeah. So. It's like, um, I know there's like, you know, the carrot and the stick analogy like you get punishment or you get rewarded for it mm. i know there was a um there's a book by daniel pink it's called drive and it talks about carrot and the sticks and it gave a study on like a kindergarten that um it, it t- says you have to pick up your kids from 3 to three thirty. if it's after three thirty, you have to pay for them staying back and it'll be like for example 10 cents a minute so they come back half an hour you have to give like five dollars or whatever it is like yeah. they have to give some money and then parents will be like I'll just pick them up at five o'clock and pay twenty dollars, so I don't have to stress. Yeah, and it's wow. like you think, oh, paying someone's gonna be the punishment, but then some people will be like, I'll just pay ten bucks and do it. Like yeah. it's not a motivator enough, mm. and that's where the like the carrot and the stick, the reward and punishment, a lot of times doesn't work. Where it's like it's not enticing for some people. Yeah, you know. But then the respect analogy, where someone goes, I've honestly lost respect for you. Because you disrespect people's time and stuff, someone goes, "Oh, that hurts my yeah. ego. That hurts, you know. That's I shouldn't true. be disrespecting my coach, or That's it's true. playing time." There's all different ways to work around it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And some people learn in the hard way. I learned in the hard way. You know, two hours worth of laps. Yeah. That's yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. Not only that, but that goes more than that. Yeah. Mm. I lost the trust of my coach. Okay. It's not about the two-hour lap. Mm. You know, now I'm in the bad book of my coach. He doesn't trust me. Exactly. He doesn't rely on me. Mm-hmm. Even though I was a good player, even though I had a great talent and everything that um, to start a game or to be in the team, when he goes try to pick a team, he's going to say, should I pick this kid who comes on time all the time or should I pick Kamal who just came late last week? He's going to pick the other kid. So it's not the two-hour lab. It kind of cost me my football career and the trust with the coach. Yeah, and you know what they say about coaches? They either make you or break you. You know, so it's it's more than that. Yeah. You know? And even that mindset, like, to not make excuses. Because you had, like, for example, a good excuse, uh-huh. daylight saving or whatever. Everything. But Every excuse, there's, there's, you know? there's no excuse. Like, yeah. you just have to take that responsibility. Absolutely. So that's a really, really yeah. uh, good lesson to... I guess that's one of the other things that, like, sports teaches you as well oh 100 you know? and not even that like i'm a big believer in like even in sports your rawest or like your truest emotions come out on the pitch as well you know or on the basketball court or whatnot and in those moments how you react and how you deal with it you don't have much time to begin with honestly yeah and how you deal with it teaches you how to deal with it let's just say in a real life setting and whatnot 100%. you know and especially with children as well when they're navigating their emotions they're treading along through life it's one of those things where it's like the earlier you tap into that side of things, the better it is. The better. Sport yeah. is the best thing for any kid, like I mm. said to you. you know. Mm. So and when was it the next point where you're like, okay, 
I loved playing sports. And instead of putting in the goals, like, what was your goal from there, I guess? Yeah, so to give you the roadmap, like I said, I played for Victoria. And then after that, I uh, got selected scholarship at VIS. Back then, Victorian Institute of Sport, right? And then from then, um, we get selected to, to play for the Joeys. So I made the Joeys, played with the Joeys for two years. And then from there, you get selected to go to AIS, which is Australian Institute of Sport in Canberra. So I got a scholarship there. And uh, I was there for a year and a half. And then from there, I, first I got my first contract with Melbourne City. Mm. So to answer your question, I think until I was at the AIS, that's when I realized, okay, so from this step on, I'm 17 now, you know, this is you become a professional soccer player and this is where you can earn money yeah. and, and uh, achieve what you wanted to achieve, you know. So that's when I kind of realized, okay, I really want to focus and get my professional contract, and and I did that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but you know, the thing is, until then, I don't think I'll pop. I said, oh, like when I said, oh, I want to play for you know victory and stuff. Like it wasn't about the money. Yeah. I, I when I think about it now, it sounds weird. It was just for me to show my skills or to do something, you know. But until. Uh, people told me then agents start coming. Oh, Melbourne Heart wants you. Oh, this how much? This how much money they're offering? Then that's when you start thinking. Oh, okay, there's money involved. Mm. What's yeah. the next step? And yeah, stuff? yeah. Uh, so how was that experience being at the the professional level? You know, interacting with other people. You know, fighting for your spot, and also finding the inner drive to take it to the next level to make that little difference between the other professional players you have around you, because you probably noticed as well. Because of course, from your the qualities you had on the pitch, you noticed other people around you maybe didn't have the same qualities, but then they have other skills, like n- not in terms of like soccer, the sport, but just maybe hardworking, yeah, resilience and all these kind of s- skills. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you talk about when I was professional, Melbourne Heart. Yeah, yeah. So when I was professional, um, I think. We had maybe about four young players. The rest are like from Holland, Brazil. Um, so it was amazing to see those players, to learn from them um, and how much the training session, how much focus it was, you know. Um, but you talk about like skill-wise, you know, I had all the skills, you know, as much as all the young players. But it's also important the people you surround yourself with at those t- at that time and the support the support system you have. Um, I would say from all the players there, I had the less support system when it comes to, I'm talking about family and and friends and people who who are close to me at that moment. And when I say family, it's not, I'm not trying to blame my family. They don't know any better. You know, they never, they didn't see sport as in... Um, know something that I sacrificed through hard work and and by like, okay he's playing soccer you know? it's casual no yeah it's like okay we'll, we'll come and watch you one day you know um so it wasn't it's not and it's not their fault because they didn't grow up that way um but other people I can see they come to their games their mom and dad they're there afterwards they go for lunch or they support them or they're recording him I used to see that you know and um this this guy was talking about Fred thank God he was by my side but he was in a family f- 
like from blood family, but it was someone from outside who who gave me motivation and supported me. So I would say that was a big difference. Um, but in terms of, like I said, I love football. And every training session, I gave it 100%. It wasn't like, you know, I don't think, I don't remember me not wanting to go to training or me um, working less than other other people, you know. It would be more in terms of the discipline when I talk about coming late or wearing the wrong uniform or, you know, not doing that. More, It's more, it was more me catching up to the Australian culture, getting used to it, yeah. than the staff on the pitch working hard or training hard and being disciplined and stuff yeah. like I'm that. I'm surprised you didn't change your mentality into making football like a job. Like it was still like a thing you loved. As you can, as you're saying now, yeah. like I just loved playing, and that was the main concern. Sometimes people, when they um, make their passion a job, it's just like, oh, you know, I have to go training. I don't want to go. Yeah, so that's interesting. Nah. Uh, I wanted to know the A League, like obviously at your level, you're at Melbourne Heart, you're training with all these guys, the international players. Um, obviously, you haven't seen um, us play soccer, but then we watch the A League sometimes. And we're like, man, we could do better than these guys. <laughs> like, how good are yeah, they? Say that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, that's what we yeah. watch, and we're like, it's just because we watch EPL all the time, mm. and then on the screen, and then you go to A League, and you're like, damn, it's so different. How good are these guys really? Like, are they actually really good players? And we just unfortunately don't get to um, rate them or appreciate them yeah. at the level. Like when yeah. you when you got when you got in the A League, you're like, damn, this is like really quick. They're really strong. They're technical. Or was it just? Yeah, yeah, you're right. I think yeah. First of all, everyone thinks they can do a better job with yeah. anything in life <laughs> yeah. until you do it. Then yeah. you say, okay, yeah, maybe you know. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> but yeah, I mean, for me, the hardest thing was wasn't the skill what side of thing. It was more physical because I'm skinnier mm. and the A League is very physical. So I lacked that physicality. Um, but technical wise, I was okay. Um, and then for some people, it would be like the physical, but they weren't technical. Um, at that moment in the A-League, oh, it's still now, I'll say A-League is more physical. They don't it really is. like ball players, you know? Mm. You might have one, two players, but I'm a ball player. I like to keep the ball play, you know, like um, Spain. If I was in Spain, they would probably like me more because it's all about ball position, being game, smart, yeah. intelligent with the ball. Mm. But with the A-League, it was like, you know, you got to be tough. Again. Yeah. You know, you can have skills, but it's very physical. Um, so the only shock, I would say, was the physical aspect of it. And they were much like when you... Oh, yeah. yeah. I was only 17. I was very skinny, you know. Yeah. And it was very tough, very, very physical, you know. Yeah. How yeah. about did you... Cause some of those guys come from overseas. Did they ever talk about, like, the difference even between A-League and the overseas level? Like, maybe yeah. when you played for Australia, you're like, man, we're the best in Australia. And we versed a team and we're like... We can't even like touch these guys. Yeah, like no, you know. Of course. Of uh, how course. was the international level compared to here in Australia when yeah, you were at your peak? Unbelievable. That's probably yeah. That's because when I played for Australia, we played against other national teams. Um, that's when you really find out like shit. Who you verse? Like, that's is there names that we know? Now, you know? Did, didn't yeah. you verse Brazil? Yeah, we played Brazil, but not even Brazil. Like we played Japan. Can't let <laughs> we could not, we could not <laughs> even come close to them. No. Really, it was so sharp, yeah. so so sharp. I remember after the game, I'm like, shit, I should just quit. Yeah, Whoa. like yeah. they make you know, like, am I really? You know, I have those doubts. Yeah, like really, like you know what I mean. But you learn from that. But even like yeah, even the Asian countries, Saudi Arabia, um, 
they were just so good, you know. Um, Brazil, of course, Brazil, you yeah. know, Brazil. It's you expected. Know, expected, but you know that's that's when you really. But that's a beautiful thing because you play, you think you're superstar in Australia, or you're playing here, you're really good. But then you go and play overseas, and then these people question your ability. You know, you're like, "Damn, I need to work hard," mm-hmm. or I'll be like, oh, "I didn't think I was what I thought." You know, I have to really these players are better than me. Um, but yeah, international level. I think Australia though caught up the last ten, fifteen years, and yeah, um, they caught up, especially in Asia. Uh, but back then, th- there was a big gap. Mm. Mm. Also, like Australia getting now. Even in the youth, the youth levels like the Joey's, like you played in, they're getting players from that are already playing in the UK, already yeah. playing in Scotland. Yeah. So it's not just all the guys like yourself that came from VIS, AIS. Yeah. They're all coming from other parts where they're on the same level, on par with, you know, players playing for England, playing for Brazil, or similar. That's true. So you see the development. I see the development, but to say that I don't, you know, I was speaking to a few people. I don't think the quality has improved. Like my generation, the soccer players, they're talented. You know, most of them are playing. Yeah, I get that. Like the 2000s to 2010, like Australia peaked. You know, when like you had, had VIS yeah. and AIS and all that, like the players that come out of there, mm-hmm. and even before us, the players come out of Aduka, Harik, all the other players, compared to the players you're talking about now in the Joeys or... I just don't think it's improved a lot since they changed everything. Because, you know, A-League academies, they have their own academies. There's no VIS, there's no AIS. So they said this was going to be a really good pathway. But the Australian under-17 national team, I watched them not long ago. and Nothing special? Nothing special. They were only Araconda that I would say he was... You know, but other than that, mm. compared to the national team we had under 17, I would think we had better quality players. I'm talking about the quality. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you have more opportunity now for them to go overseas to play in the A-League and to, to do that, that doesn't mean the quality is really good. You might have one or two players, but we had better qualities. That's that's my opinion. Yeah, I think, like, Irukunda, you just mentioned he's 16 years old. Yeah. plays... In A League, Adelaide United. I think that's a special case, though. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like one in a million type of talent. Yeah, but then I get what you mean. Like the certain standard, because just by the name, you're hearing, oh, he's he's playing at Brighton Academy, Manchester City Academy. It sounds good, but then the actual quality is not improving as much. Exactly. So the under seventeen national team, they had a I think World Cup qualifier or Asian qualifier not long ago. They play Saudi Arabia. And I watched that game. And Saudi Arabia killed them. You know, I think they won 3-1 or something like that. And and when we played the same game for a uh, World Cup qualifier against Saudi Arabia with my Joey's team, we beat them 3-1. This was 10-plus years ago. So if we go on by a result, which we should, we should be way better. We should be putting Saudi Arabia to bed. Yeah, True. 10 years ago, you were ahead of them. Now, 10 True. years later, yeah. they're, they're you ahead of you. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So that's what I'm saying, the quality. The quality, uh, I saw Rokonda, he was the only one doing something. Or, But that's what I'm trying to say. That the result has to match. This is mm. the way, if you develop players the last 10, okay, then you have to put on that. Yeah. Something's got to show for it. Something has to Especially go, yeah. after a decade. Absolutely. Mm. Hang on a sec. You guys are not subscribed. I think you guys, before you start the video... Make sure you subscribe, turn on the notification bell, and enjoy the rest of the video.
Mm. So maybe it has been where it's a thing where Australian uh, for the youth, like it's became uh, stagnant. Or even if it has improved, other countries have just improved so much more. Exactly, yeah. And that's where, like, for example, how many academies like One Ball are there? Or how mm. many, like, ex-players are actually investing into the Australian youth for soccer? Like, there should be... Yeah. If those grassroots academies all over the board would have so many people trained from a young age to be at that level. That's yeah. probably what's happening in Saudi. Like, there's all these different academies. But then here, it's like, okay, there's NTC... You know, for when you're 14, 15, and then you can Melbourne City, Melbourne Victory, now Western United. Like yeah. There's four places or five places you can go to actually play and get trained at a high level. Mm-hmm. And then there's just random NPL clubs. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know the answer to it, but I feel like as a nation, let's just say we want to get the best players or we want to give opportunity to the best players. That means you have to look across the whole country, right? Yeah. every angle everywhere in the country because you never know where talent can come you never know where Messi can come it could be in in uh, somewhere in the desert in Australia mm-hmm. you know what I mean the yeah. first nation people could come from there so for me it's like okay so if you're gonna look at every give opportunity to everyone to create the best players possible then those kids have to have opportunity so how do they have the opportunity by creating academy and then we charge kids two thousand dollars. You know we're missing so many. Ta- we don't know. So mm-hmm. you know kids and families they don't go into sporting clubs or join an academy because it, it's too expensive. Yeah. Right. So that means we're missing out of these kids. We don't even know what that. You know mm. we're missing out of everybody. It goes back uh, to money at the end of the day. It yeah. goes back yeah. to money. And and to be honest, we missed out the opportunity with the Aboriginals, the First Nation people, because they are talented. How many great AFL players come Physically, through that? Physically, athletically. Yeah. Just, yeah. So yeah. how many, you've seen how many great AFL players come through that. Yeah. So imagine soccer did that 50 years ago mm. and really invested in that. But soccer is not a priority in Australia. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, yeah. And I don't think it will be anytime soon. Just well, then we can't compete with yeah. the rest of the world. That's you true. know, you yeah. can't. There might, might be a case where the other countries are, like we're developing maybe like let's say from 10 years ago. But not at the pace of, like, let's say Saudi Arabia and whatnot, you know, mm. because of our investments. Even you take basketball, for example. Like, the nation hero for basketball is Paddy Mills. Yeah. Who's an indigenous player. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, if you look more... But then it goes back to money, and then it get, then it goes back to... We like have money. Australia is one of the richest countries. Then it will countries. go back to interest. You know, mm. we, there is money. There's it's, it's not even about money. I mean... Do you think it's culture then? It's culture. It's 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 about. I think we're using soccer to to make money in this country. Ah, so okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not to develop players. There's a different. Gotcha. Other countries they want to invest. They want to develop players. They want to sell. They want to win things. Spain, all of them. But Australia, we wanna. N- we don't want to develop. We want to monetize. You know what I mean? Yeah. Did you watch because the? If you want to develop, you have to give everyone an opportunity. True. So give everyone opportunity yeah. and and mm-hmm. invest in them. Well, your I coach th- is a prime example as well. Yeah. yeah. Like he yeah. technically didn't ask nothing for you in return. Yeah. And as a result, what did come out of absolutely? That, you know I mean? Well, exactly. if you were probably charged two thousand back then, there's no chance. We wouldn't. My know mother, no way. Not yeah. even hundred dollars she would have paid for me to join. Yeah, a we still club. see that today. Yeah. So like obviously ourselves and a lot of our friends, we see the opportunities like they're clearly good enough if not better than most of the players, but they just simply can't afford it. Yeah, and, and then, then they're just stuck with not playing at all, maybe. Absolutely, yeah. and you don't have motivation. You don't You don't have someone telling you, you're going to play for Australia, keep going. 
yeah. I believe in you. For you know, for thirteen years old, fourteen years old, that's massive. Mm. For someone to say that to you, someone is believing you. Mm. If no one believes in you, and your parents are like, oh, you're going to training, okay, go. Stop wasting your time going to training. Come and study, you know, or or they don't come and watch you. There's no. So as a young boy, you're gonna maybe do it a couple of years, and I'll be like, you know, I'm just gonna hang out with my boys. who are gonna do something else, you know, because yeah, no one believes in me anyway. Yeah, I th- it's I so easy to give up. Um, I think in Australia, the um, the there might be a shift now in the hype around soccer because of the Women's World Cup. Mm. Like obviously, like even me, like personally speaking, I didn't watch um, the first games. You know, the group stages. I'm are you serious? Hey, did you watch it? <laughs> 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 it's it's, it's asked the soccer player. Uh, yeah. I'm joking. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, I didn't, I didn't really care. And then later came like the knockout stages and stuff. And then you kind of like, you yeah. just want to know if Australia's going to win. Like, it's actually an yeah. important thing. You get behind, you know, the Matildas. And then I said it was the most viewed game of sports game in Australian history. Yeah. Not any grand final. You know, that is grand finals every yeah. single year. It's like no, this game, six and a half million views. Televised as well. Televised, not including bars, sporting arenas, multiple people on TVs. So it's like, that's pretty good. That's a quarter of us, you know? We all all knew soccer's number one. There's a people who pretend, you know. I think the thing is, is, it's Australian culture. It's like with the direction that it's going in, you know what I mean? Australian culture isn't really focused around, uh, I guess, the, the sport of soccer. Yeah. But then the thing is with Australian culture, they come together. You know, and if they were to come together, they need, and not even that, like even the younger generation, like with anyone, they all say, hey, I want to look up to this person and I'm, I want to look up to this person. Yeah. You know, so we're like when we look at Australia, it's like, who is that like person? You've got that now in like basketball where people want to be, I don't know if you're familiar with basketball, like the next Josh Giddy, Paddy Mills and all yes, that kind of yes. stuff. Because from a ground level, they came from Australia, they rose up to the highest ranks, you know. The thing is with Australian culture, if it gets behind it, then we'll see it get to... That sort of like next level. Are you going to ask him what he thought of the Matildas? What, like what you, you think yeah, of? No, what you think of the even the quality? You know, that's a good point you're making because, you know, <coughs> even even before the Matildas, you know, to have the Socceroos to go to the World Cup and to fight, it's they've achieved a big thing. It's not easy, you know, and the media try to kind of put it to the side. You know, look how many people watching it in mm-hmm. Federation Square. That's you true. Look yeah, at the passion. Look that at was that. big. But they won't put on channel seven. They won't do. They're always trying to to hide it. Um. So for the Matildas to do that, they have to play well. Everybody only notice you when you're winning. Mm. At the end of the day, if Matildas weren't winning, they're doing shit. Nobody cares. Yeah. Let me tell you this. Um. And if we don't have Sam Kerr and some of the superstars, nobody cares. So someone needs to come, and kind of tell the nation, look what I'm doing. You know pay attention kind of way so the Matildas it was perfect timing and and I I was amazed by how much support they got and you know not from like we obviously the football people we support them but the non-football people the whole nation kind of supported them so that was beautiful to see um, because they are representing Australia and they deserve to be recognized by Australia you know so let's not just put under the table because you know it's not a, a football nation i mean yeah. football's number one everywhere but like you said like we might not be a football nation but then what happens at fed square why is it the most televised game exactly it's like maybe it's just a statement that's just said but 
Exactly. Yeah. They, that's what I'm saying. Uh, the numbers don't lie. You know, mm. soccer is the number one sport in Australia in terms number of one? kids. Let me talk about kids oh, playing, okay. more participation yeah. Yeah, in kids, is. not footy, yeah. not basketball, yeah. not tennis. So, so the potential is there. The potential is there. So we need more investment. It's, it's simple as that. How yeah. about... There's like more demand, so we have to yeah. give more money. Before, before we get off Matilda's, what was your thoughts on Sam Kerr's goal? Unbelievable. Crazy. You, you know? can't unbelievable. do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah unbelievable. None of us unbelievable. can, <laughs> You know, she, 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 we all know she's got something special. Um, and we just, I just wish that she was fit and not injured. I think we would have seen we could have gone a bit further because she's special. And special to do that player. on the world stage as well. Especially, but that's what I'm saying. You do, she's got no fear. You can tell. No fear, man. Yeah. And, you know, even when she plays for Chelsea, you know, you can have all the best talent, but how many people you've seen talented, but they can't perform? Because it's that fear, it's that mm. doubt, it's that pressure. She doesn't care about that, man. Yeah. And, and it's amazing. And you only have few people like that in the world where... They're just fearless, man. And I love that about her. Yeah, exactly. There's like champions or great players. Yeah. There's only certain little... Do you know Do you know much about the UFC? And I don't know if you watch the UFC, but UFC... Yeah, yeah. I watch, yeah. There's one fighter, Max Holloway. He recently got on a podcast and he was talking about... Okay. How like the, d- the difference between fighters in the UFC is not much. Everyone can fight, you know. He goes, but the difference between like the top 15 people and then the rest of the roster, mm. yeah, is the little things like mentality, mindset, perseverance, all that kind of stuff. And he goes, the difference between the top 15 and the top five goes back to also the little mm-hmm. things, you know, and it, it's only on a good night if those little things that you train over and over again, they show when the time actually matters. Yeah. You know, because both of them can throw hands, both of them can kick, mostly, you know. And then he uses the last example, is like the difference between the champion, the one that holds the belt, and the rest of the five in the top five category goes back to also like the little things, you mm-hmm. know, then... It just shows, you know? Yeah. And those little things, I believe, go back over time, repetitive, like nature, and later on, you know what I mean? They 100%. show back in your life. Absolutely. The one percenters, as they mm. call it, you know? Our coach always used to say that. Yeah. And you're right, man. I, you know, otherwise, yeah, you want, everyone will be the same, you know? Mm-hmm. You change the same me and you, but, you know, the mentality is the one that separates us, I think. Yeah. And I think, the 1% is also what we neglect the most, you know? Yeah. Because, like, we think, okay, cool. Let me try and make, a, like, a revolutionary change within one year, you know? But then today and next week, you're not going to do nothing. Yeah. So then what happens is the next half of the year, we try and, like, you know, try to achieve all our goals. and Yeah. You know, that's not sort of, like, how it's no, done. absolutely you know? not. But yeah. it can be done if you're lucky, but you got to have a lot of luck. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, so what we're talking about, about, like, you know, sport, obviously in Australia, there's so many things we can work on, right? One thing I actually admire is that you're doing something about it to the next generation, and that's in your one ball program. Yeah. Where did it all start from? Was there a certain moment in your professional career or maybe someone you know you spoke to that triggered this thought of creating a program? Um, yeah, I, I, um, I thought about um, coaching for a while and I used to get involved coaching under sevens when I was still playing and where'd uh, you coach under sevens yeah Paul Melbourne yeah. just helping out yeah. you know coaching and I kind of started liking it and then I worked for a different organization called football empowerment okay, uh, when yeah. I first started um, and I was I was supporting them and coaching and 
um, and we wanted to give opportunities to, to kids who come from the same background because we know that they don't have the support of the parents and they don't have the support of um, uh, just, you know, they, they, they don't have the support to become the best soccer player they can be. It was just about soccer, you know? And obviously I played professionally or I played for Australia, so I was like, okay, maybe I can teach him some of the lesson that I learned, the mistake that I made, um, things that worked for me. So, and I started doing that and I really enjoyed it. So I'm like, okay, I wanna, well, I wanna create something. I wasn't sure whether an academy or a non-for-profit, but I decided to go as a non-for-profit because it made sense to me. You know, it wasn't about charging kids because I got sponsored to start soccer, you know, and I got so much out of it. So what about the kids in my situation that they they come from a low-income family, the mothers and dad don't understand how important sport is. So I didn't want to b- put any barriers between that. So I created a non-for-profit, I made a non-for-profit um, and yeah, everything just happened year by year where... You know, we saw a lot of families who have never been to soccer program before. It'd be just because of that. Um, and then we just expanded across Melbourne. Um, and then and then we started implementing a few things about, okay, soccer is great. They're learning soccer skills. But what else did I learn through my life? You know, and then I sat down with a positive psychology coach. And we just had open conversation. And she said, how did you deal with... Um, setback or because i told her the same story you know racism and stuff i just used to say no i am i am good oh, i am talented i i belong here oh she's saying you're using positive affirmation mm. i'm like yeah what the hell's positive affirmation no you know and i start learning about positive thinking and and visualizing and things like that and i used to do few things like that because i never called my mother or my brother say oh by the way Someone said this to me, or these players come to my room to fight me, or you know this that I used to use positive thinking or positive um, or, or visualize about my game the next day, and it all made sense to me. I'm like, okay, so why can we add this to our soccer program? Why can we teach young kids the power of positive thinking? I'm like, okay, that sounds good. So you know, we created a booklet where you know it's got all this affirmation. They get to go home and draw it and bring it to the coaches. Um, and we try to teach them, you know, the power of positive thinking and why is it so important. And um, and then the older kids, again, you know, goes back to me. When I realized the A-League wasn't going to give me a chance, even though I won the best and fairest in NPL Victoria, uh, gold medal 2015, which is the biggest award you can win, Um and I said to the A-League, okay, well, I've been there. Where's my opportunity now? Because they've given everyone a chance even uh, for a trial. So my agent talked to them, no trials, nothing. Wow. You know? <laughs> That's and, crazy. And, and then they always had an excuse. Oh, yeah, great player, but he's got attitude. You know, man? And my agent's like, what is this attitude they're talking about? Are you very kind? I'm like, I don't know. Why don't they tell me? Like, what are you talking about attitude? What is attitude? And, you know, I learned, obviously, you know, attitude is a lot of things. I mean, this is the thing we're talking about coming late, right? Yeah. Um, or saying the wrong thing. I'm not saying the wrong thing, but just small things, 1% as you're talking about, which I didn't know. So that kind of 
I 100% know it was that cost me my my dream in terms of playing. When I say dream, you know, I have other dreams, but, you know, to continue to play professional soccer player. So when I realized that I wasn't, they weren't going to give me another chance, then that's when I started doing other jobs. And you know, I did every job you can think of yeah. while I was playing soccer. I'm like, this is not me. So one second. So when you say that cost you your, I guess, the, the option opportunity of trying to get into the a-league yeah it was in the a-league so even more, it's like more opportunities in the more opportunities. i went through the pathway everything you can think of from australia yeah sacrifice you know yeah. so well i was melbourne hard two years mm-hmm. and then when that finished surely you think yeah okay there's definitely another no, club. So, but what i was getting at was you know what i was getting at was like you said your attitude costed you from getting yeah. i guess rising what do you mean by that what I didn't know back then, I can only figure out when they talk about attitude. Attitude is, you know, coming on time. Attitude is um, eating the right food. Attitude could be so many things. Yeah. But the only thing I can relate it back to is not, is that, um, you know, coming on time, being late and stuff like that. Because I've never treated anyone bad. I was always respect to my teammates and, mm-hmm. and, and the coaches. So... For me, but when they said attitude, it was I thought it was like I was being rude. They never uh. explained. Well, I know they told me don't come, don't come late. So that I, I kind of got that out of the way. But you know, the coaches at the time say, okay, you know, and I was fine with it. Okay, no worries. Like, you know, you don't make it in one club. There's other clubs. You know, you. It's not like you know. I've gone through. I've sacrificed so much. I never thought it'd be like, okay, maybe I'm. Melbourne Heart, I'm not signed here, and then I'm not going to get another A-League club. Nowhere in my mind, because I was so confident on my talent. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's so many opportunities. But, you know, like I said, my agent's like, oh, do well. They're saying, you know, you're a really good player. Just do well in NPL. And I tried, and I tried. And, and the finally, like I said, 2015, when I won, I'm like, okay, hopefully they give me a trial so that can I show that I've matured, I've grown, because that was... That was I was seventeen when I was you know coming late and uh, then I learned and I matured. I'm How like old were you in twenty fifteen when you won best and first? Twenty one, twenty two. Damn. And and, and I, I and that's I, a very yeah. young. That's a good and age and to and get yeah, picked up I, again. And like and I did an interview with goal goal dot com when I won and I said to them, you know everyone deserves a second chance. I said everyone you see in the A League, the coaches, they all had more than one job. They fell, another person gives them a job. Another player, they go to another club. Mm. Everyone deserves a second chance. I'm not saying I was perfect and that. I've learned my lesson, but, you know, and, and nothing. So, the, anyway, that's when I said, you know, I, I started doing one ball and I spoke to this lady, positive psychology coach, and she said, okay, what's your, what's your strength? You know, what's your character strength? I'm like, what are you talking about? What are your strength? What are you good at? Oh, I'm... J- Dribble the ball good. Uh-huh. I cut in from the left, put a top corner. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. All that. She's yeah. like, yeah, that's soccer talent. Yeah. She's like, but uh, you as Kamal, what's your strength? I'm like, I couldn't answer it. And when I went home, that, you know, that kind of got me. I'm like, what is she talking about? Character strength. And I started researching more. And I come across uh, of character strength, you know. And everyone has 24 character strength. And I did the survey and I found out my top character strength. And this character strength, some people call them character strength, superpowers, other things, but they like teamwork, you know, kindness, forgiveness, spirituality, optimism, uh, curiosity, leadership, all this. 
and I found out my top ones and I went back to work. Okay, this is my character strength. Like, okay, I can see that in you, blah, blah, blah. And it's very accurate, you know? And it's like, okay, so that's good. And I said to her, well, I'm doing one ball. I said, this is amazing. This opened up my eyes. I'm like, I wish I knew this when I was younger. Because mm-hmm. every coach cared about if Kamal's going to play good soccer today or not. If he played good, he was amazing today. Yeah. If he plays bad, he was bad. Yeah. It was nothing as in just my soccer talent. Um, and I said to her, I would love to teach these kids. They have more than soccer talent. They also have these super wa- superpowers, character strength. And I want them to discover it and just be um, mindful of it. And then I want the coaches to recognize the kids have this talent as well. Don't just say, oh, amazing. You know, you've got an amazing shot. You know, look at what he's done on the pitch. Is he picking up a kid? Is he using his kindness? Is he using his leadership? And, and say that to him, you know, you're using, you know, well done. Tell him to encourage him to use that because I believe it's not important just to create a great soccer player. At the end of the day, we've got to be a good human being so you can contribute to the community, and that's the focus for Wumble, and that's our vision. So, yeah. On the kids, yeah, there's obviously <coughs> many things that, like, you're teaching them and stuff. Is there ever things, like, when you're running the Wumble program that they teach you? Kids, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Kids always teach you, you know? Because there's, there's, obviously, as I start to get old, I'm not that old. Yeah. <laughs> but I How old are you? How old do I look? 25, 26? No, no, no. Thank you. Thank you. How old? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm 24. 24? Okay. Yeah, not yeah, too I was close. 25, I said. That's yeah, very, very close. close. Yeah. He, he was NPL player of the year. Yeah, <laughs> 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 I've, I've just got a podcast. <laughs> 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 At least you got that. Um, what was I going to say? Like, as I start to get older, I realized, like, you can learn, like, a lot through kids. Like, the other day I was scrolling through, like, TikTok, for example, and I seen, like, a kid... Like over like within like under six months old, holding onto a bar with like like complete grip strength. Okay, you know, and that's just like a reactive thing that they have in their hand that their body does, just like in terms of grip. I don't know like the scientific behind it. Yeah, but there's like there's a lot to like learn from children, especially when you spend time with them. You know. Yeah. And obviously, like as we get older, we try to look like for, I don't know, advice and inspiration with like adults. But then, like, the kids teach you how, like, simple, like, life is and whatnot. Yeah. You know, and then you've got the blessing of, like, working with them. Yeah. And in a way, you might even see your younger self in the kids themselves. Absolutely. You know? Man. Yeah. Kids are the best, you know. There's so many times, you know, I got to one ball and I'm kind of not feeling well that day or something like that or work's been stressed. But as soon as they come, you know, they just change your mood the energy it's the energy they give you know yeah. uh, it's amazing and they teach you like you said you know we learn so much and yeah you know it's a great reward when you're working kid because you see you see improvement because they still haven't developed these habits bad habits so when you're coaching teenagers we realize they're already developing these bad habits so for them to get out of that habit takes a while mm. but when you Working with kids five, six, seven, eight, you know the improvement you see and the the things you implement, um, they pick it up because their minds open, you know. And that's why we t- talk about parenting. Parenting is so important, and I still it's still so underrated. Yeah. What you say to a kid, the way you act, um, you know, the way you carry yourself, they pick everything, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's so important, um, you know. I'm not. I don't have any kids yet, but I learned so much, you know, how to 
how would I raise my kids, you know? Uh, would you try to um, raise your kids for, because raising your kids um, to play soccer or play a sport because they love it, or raising your kids because you want them to be a professional? Because a lot of uh, like uh, our friends and stuff that like yeah. Project Mbappe, I want to start yeah. them young. Have you, seen, have you seen it now? It's yeah. like Project Al Hilal. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Yeah, it's like a hundred mils a contract. You're really, you're yeah, really yeah, 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 yeah. I saw that. He's the best. He yeah. makes me laugh. Man. It's like from the start, though. It's like this idea, <coughs> and I thought about it. It's like because. Uh, Ali and I obviously brothers and stuff we talk about what we missed out on and we're like we don't want our kids to miss out on that Yeah. but then I watch these videos online where the kid reacts and the kid goes that was your dream not mine to his dad yeah because a lot of times like oh you, sh you know I wish I started soccer and I wish I learned to do this when I was young and yeah. the kid doesn't love it the same way as we do yeah. which is normal Yeah. you know like you said like your dad might have not loved soccer or you know loved the same things as you yeah. and it's like that's the that's your dream and you can't force it on a kid yeah so what's your perspective? Like, would you train them from young, teach them to play with both feet? What's yeah. your What's your goal? Get the camera off. <laughs> <laughs> Inshallah. Nah, um, I don't know. Honestly, I would want, yeah, I would want my kid to play soccer. Of At course. a high level? Yeah, like absolutely. Uh, well, yeah, high level. Um, but it all depends, as you say, as um, if he's passionate about it. There's no way... If he doesn't love it, it doesn't matter how much I push him, he's not going to be great. You know? What would you train to make the kid more likely to be uh, playing at a high level? Like, What do you think is the priority from young? Like, is it just starting young? Is it, you know? Yeah, starting young, definitely. Starting young and passion, you know, him okay. having a love for it. So, you know, if I was to to have create that passion in him, so I'd be obviously taking him to a soccer game. And watching as much as soccer as I can, showing footage of the great soccer players, and because mm. I remember when I was a kid, I was just watching. I think I, I fall in love with the game from that going to a soccer game, seeing the atmosphere. You know, mm. oh wow, maybe I want to be that person one day. You know, so that would I would do that. But I, you know, to be honest, if he doesn't become professional soccer player, it's not that won't wouldn't bother me um, because there's so many things you can do in life. Uh, other than you know, similar with me, I was devastated that in the back of my head, not knowing that I actually want to, you know, I, I was hurting inside. But everything happens for a reason, you know. Allah have different path for everyone, you know. Maybe I will never created one ball and impacted so many families and kids, and I feel like that's more that's a higher purpose, you know. And the way um, we see parents talk about the program and. Uh, and what we do and the kids how much they're improving and you look like yeah i was disappointed but things works different way so you never know he might not be a great soccer player but he could be the president of australia one day you never know mm. yeah you know it's, it's beyond um it's like beyond soccer it's like how can, how can they affect the world and yeah mm. absolutely like make an impact yeah they i think it's purpose and as long as it has a purpose you know yeah if, if he's got a purpose whether it's soccer or something else i think you know, it's absolutely fine. And yeah. a lot of these skills are transferable as well. Yeah. You know, so it's yeah, like, you know, like the perseverance, it shows later on. Like you can tell someone you're sort of structured as a child compared to like later on. And being late is like a perfect example. You yeah. Know? yeah. Yeah. The guy that says I'll be there at three thirty and he's there at four forty. Yeah, yeah, it's discipline, man. I, it's I discipline. see it with the private school kids. 
like um we have we have some cousins that went to private schools and stuff and you just see these guys the way they're yeah. their teachers their mentors their friends like their family just everything's on the ball mm. it's like them finishing high school and us finishing high school is two different things like they're the like standard. like they know okay to get to get the results and they to study hard they knew exactly how to study extracurriculum like yeah. our cousin he was in year 10 and they started strength and conditioning for him three days a week, five thirty in the morning. He gets dropped off at the school. Like yeah, I'm thinking, like bloody yeah. hell. And then he he wants to uh, he wants to play the table tennis team, and it's Ivy League or something. Yeah, it's like four days a week. He does training, table tennis at the school. Wow. It's not like extra curriculum. They you know he comes in on Saturdays for. It's like these kind of so things. His like parents can afford it, obviously. Yeah, like private school. Like a yeah, lot of these, exactly, he even yeah. says like the kids that come to these private schools, the parents are driving the nicest yeah. of cars. But it's just that kind of thing with yeah. the money and the resources. They can be in Australia, but just have a completely different upbringing yeah. and have a That's standard of excellence. Are, it's very interesting. We were talking about this before, mm -hmm. about you know how children succeed. And the you know what you talked about, you know, them studying getting high rates and stuff like that i was reading a book a study uh, you know it's called uh, how children succeed so uh, they did a study on what is important um and it's actually you know character strength is how children succeed it's good you have high iq when you study and everything like that but they're not they're not resilient they're not uh self they don't have self-control they don't have optimism they don't have all this character strength it doesn't matter how smart they are when life hits them hard yeah they're not gonna cope with it do you understand because they've always been fed by the teacher or, or their parents twitching make sure you pass this make sure you pass that but that's just how smart they are mm -hmm. you know but and, and they did this study and it was i was so um this is what we're already doing one ball about character strength so i was really amazed that about how children succeed and how people and parents and teachers think it's all about your IQ and how smart you are. But it's actually, yes, that's important how smart you are, but it's also important you have this character strength. Otherwise, when things, for example, if you don't have resilience, doesn't matter how smart you are, if something happened, you'd be like, I'm going to give up a life, you know, and, and, and they're not going to cope with it, you know. So you have to have that balance. Yeah, it's like the because they always have to pass. They always make sure there's no fail. They don't fail, right? Their True. parents give them everything, so they can pass. So if you don't fail, you don't have that resilient. You don't have. You don't build that character strength. You get me? So you always have to pass, 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 and and when it comes to like you said, you can't okay. cope with it. Yeah, I want to. But that's why yeah. the kids in Africa I was talking to them about, uh, or or sports teach you, you're always failing. You fail, you have to get up again. You injured, you have to do it again. Coach telling you, you know, and without knowing it, you're developing this strength, and it's more important than being a smart. I'll tell you that. Cause there's no yeah. point in me being the smarter doctor, and then something happen. I'm just like, oh, I can't leave. I'll just I might True. as well kill myself, or you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess uh, there's that purpose as well, resilience and discipline, and all that is all one. But like, like a lot of like these successful like kids that come from uh, successful parents that put these on their kids and whatnot the thing that they lack is like purpose yeah so then later on like the reason why they're studying hard is because to please their parents or the reason they're they're 
I guess, working this entitled job is to please their parents and like the community. But for them individually, there is not, not that inner purpose. like yeah. yeah, and you don't get that like like inner peace and whatnot, you know. Yeah, but is that success for them? But that's not success because you're not doing what you want. Exactly. You know, you know, success is um, when you're doing. For me, is when you're doing something you love and you're content. That's success. If you talk about they doing it because their parents are doing yeah. it and they're miserable, you know, even though they're a doctor, is that really success? You can know you what I mean? Yeah. Can you ever be content though? Like I guess so. May, maybe not. Maybe some people are, some people are not. Yeah. But I would say, you know, when I'm saying something, you're doing something you love, of course, even with every business, you always want to achieve more things, but mm -hmm. you're doing something you want to do. True. And something you're passionate about. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Not not someone else. So, And you can't blame those people, but I feel like, like I said, you know, what we're learning now is that, you know, this character strength are so important, especially for children. Yeah. And the environment um, is important, the way they grow up, and the parents are very important. And I feel like as parents now, these days, we are so careful. Oh, he's going to fall. Don't. You know, we, 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 we don't want to make him fall. He, he has to be all good. But in Africa, when I grew up, they didn't care, man. Yeah. You're failing, you're getting up, you're bleeding, you're coming home, yeah. you know. But here, my cousin's walking. Oh, be careful, be careful. Well, like he's going to break, you know. And and I feel like, you know, they're not going to build that resilience, that that strength, that character strength. Because our parents, we're always there for them. Mm -hmm. You know, we always want to control and be, be there for them. But I just let them, let them discover themselves as well. It's that discomfort as well. Yeah. You know. Being uncomfortable sometimes. Yeah, he cry. Come, give him something. You know. Yeah. My home. You cry. Let him cry. He's, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know he's gonna make him cry even more. Actually. Yeah, <laughs> make him cry even more because then you realize, you know, here they do it all the time. Oh, when I cry, oh, my mom's gonna give me milk or whatever it is. Yeah. You know. So here he cry. Straight away, you have to do something, whether it's an iPad or a phone. You have to give him. But back at home, try that with your parents back at home. Cry. Mm, You'll yeah. be crying for two hours. They're not going to give you nothing. Yeah. You'll be lucky to get a tear out of your eyes. Nothing, man. Yeah. You be better, be better be quiet soon. Otherwise, you're going to cry more, like <laughs> you <laughs> said. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Here, you, it's, it's different. But, um, yeah, it's very interesting study. And, yeah, we want to kind of implement, not implement, we can't control other kids, but mm -hmm. we want to kind of, um, at best, try to put this... Um, uh, character strength uh, workshops and and get them to discover the character strength and then to see what their weaknesses are. If your weakness is leadership or teamwork, how could you uh, improve on that? You know, can you put yourself in a situation where you can be a leader, whether that's home with your older brother or something, or a team, how could you, you know, if your weakness is teamwork, can you put yourself into go to a soccer team, join a soccer team, go to do something with a group? You know, build this character strength because they're important. So we try to do our best, but at the end of the day, it comes from their parents and at home. Yeah, exactly. Um, just a quick question about, like, going back, I guess, looking back at your playing time career. Is there anything you would have done differently, let's say, on or off the field? And this is you being completely mm -hmm. honest. I know yeah. that, like, certain people, like, I don't have regrets and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is the question is not based around regrets. It's more so, if I had known better, I would have probably like changed this. You know. Yeah. Uh, 
I would have, I would say, I would have on the pitch, I would have trained. No, not on the pitch. Off the pitch, I would have trained more. Like I've trained, like I used to do, take the balls and train by myself. But if I knew I was going to make it, I would have trained a lot more, I reckon. And I would have looked off out of, I would have looked out, how to looked off. I would have taken on my body more, mm. whether that's me uh, going seeing a physio or... Uh, or researching about my body because my body let me down. I had so many injuries. And it wasn't my fault because I was young. I didn't know about, you know. But was also the knowledge back there, like, did that exist? Like, nah. obviously, like, it did exist. But now you hear about things like LeBron James spending a million dollars yeah. on his body and this Yeah, and right now. But even social media now, you know. Makes it easier. There's yeah. so many things. Back then, you know, they put a gym session for everybody. Same gym session. <laughs> For 12 players. My body's completely different to all these players. True. And they made me lift this. And then I go and play. I do my hammy. I do my quads. And then they blame me. He's always injured, man. Always injury pro. Mm -hmm. You know, blah, blah, blah. I'm doing what you're telling me. I'm 17 years old. You tell me to do this, I do this. I've got no idea what you're talking about. So I wish I had that knowledge be like you know what okay i'll go see my own physio my own personal trainer right now because when i won best and fairest in 2015 i had a personal trainer a private and i told him my injuries and he said to me okay we're gonna start from the bottom i worked with him for six months twice a week and he made me do deadlifts but before even i can do deadlift for three months just learning the technique how to do deadlift with no weights six months Three months. Three months. So we're talking about with the, with the, with the, uh, a pole, mm -hmm. technique first, and then a round ball. It's weight, but it's not like, you know, it's not yeah. deadly. Yeah. Just that. And then it goes to me, you do that from, from the start, just a foundation good. And then by the time I finished with him, I was deadlifting 130 kilos. Damn. Right? I was a machine. Didn't pull my hammy once for the next three years. I won, like I said, I had a great year. So I wish I knew that, you know. I wish, but like back then, they like, they no investment. There's, exactly. You know, we didn't have, we had one personal trainer for the everyone, you know. How about diet? What about diet? Was diet a thing as well? I was okay with diet. Yeah. Uh, I try to eat as as healthy as I can, but, you know, injera doesn't help as well, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's not really a yeah. diet, you know, but if just things like that. The one percent as you're talking about, mm -hmm. I wish I had... Um, you know, like I said, a family. Not a, I had a family, but I wish I had someone who knew nutrition or the body. Be like, son, you can't eat that. Here's a chicken breast of his veggies and stuff like that. Just small things that make big difference, you know? No, and I think that's a different one you're talking about. What's different with other players? Because they lived here. They know exactly what's happening. The parents know nutrition. They know my family. As long as there's a food on the table, yeah. alhamdulillah, eat, you know? But that's not for sports, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And just from you saying that, it just proves to me even more that this generation, there's really no excuse to um, find more information to improve, whether it's nutrition, whether it's training. Yeah. Even like personal trainers, you can find like with social media and technology we have that for someone that wants to take it to the next level, clearly like you're, you're yearning for these um, resources that are out there that's so accessible now. Yeah. So it just proves to me like that people need people have the opportunity. It's just 
whether you take it or not. Yeah, whether you want it or not, how bad you want it. Absolutely. Yeah. So much opportunity right now yeah. with all the elite clubs. The ne- the ne- uh, the second league is coming. Yeah. So much opportunities. But even more so, people like you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the young Eritrean or yeah, African absolutely. kids out there, they now can look at you and be like, okay, cool. He's done such and that. He's been there. You know what I mean? Because people always think, yeah. oh yeah, I got here my, on my own. All this kind of stuff. Yeah, I you try know? to help few. I feel like the the young boys they don't want to listen. Yeah. They feel like I don't know if you get that, but for me it's like they think that they know everything, and that's why I'm saying it's so hard because they already have this. But if you're working with a young kid, then they're more able to listen to you because I've tried to help few through my experience and try to tell them, and and they kind of weren't interested, which was bizarre to me. I'm like, I'm trying to help you. You know, but when I, when I see them where they are now, and they're exactly where they are, because I told them that's where you're going to be, because I went through, s- I'm trying to tell them, don't get too comfortable where you are, because I, I remember being saying, okay, I mean, blah, blah, blah. it's going to f- last forever. I never thought after Melbourne Heart that I'm done playing professional, but they didn't listen to that, so, because they already have other people influencing them, other pe- the bad habits, so... My kind of passion is working with more younger kids because then you, you can really, they could listen to you and you can really um, develop those mentalities that are so important. And then once, so by the time they get there, they're already um, aware of what needs to be f- from them, you know, whether it's an A-League or NPL, you know? Mm. Yeah. So... Just on because you yeah just on you speaking like you want to specifically work with younger kids. I noticed one thing you do that most programs don't is that you organize retreats mm. with some of the kids. How's that been? How how many retreats have you gone on now? Uh, so far, just one. We just went to one because um, it's very hard for us to um, to do camps because the people. Uh, the kids we work with, they're from different areas of Melbourne. So it's hard to get them all together um, and for, for parents to let them go because they're like 12, 13 years old. Most of them never been to a camp before. So that parents need to really trust us. And and, and my, my thing is to the parents is like, you have to let these kids experience. You can't just hold them. You know, they, ha- they become better people through experience, not just by sitting at home and being in the comfort zone. And I learned things when I traveled overseas. I was telling you, uh, being away from home, and they learned discipline and self-control, so many things. And I'm trying to convince them. I'm saying, stop holding these kids and say, no, it's haram. Oh, you can't do this. Oh, what if he... That's life. You know, he has to go through that, and he's going to learn through that experience. And inshallah, we want to do more of these camps, you know, trying to get kids uh, from, from um, you know, from challenging themselves, you know, getting them at the comfort zone and, and go, go for hiking or play soccer and let them, let them learn how to cook and things like that. So, yeah. yeah. Well, how about we come down for a camp one day? Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. We'll we'll be a great idea. Yeah. Teach them how to podcast, just talking from Yeah, the let's do that. <laughs> yeah, probably speaking, yeah. We, we do one podcast there, yeah. That'd be amazing. You guys would love it. I haven't sent you the video still. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. It's there is some um, footage. I've seen little snippets, but if okay. there's a lot more, yeah. then yeah, the more the better. Like yeah, sure. 
So I want to talk about this. You can put that footage, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, not even that as well. It's just even like the, the younger generation can now look and be like, okay, cool. They got guys like Kamal who plays soccer and they've got such and such person that plays basketball or yeah. whatever. And it's like those opportunities like widens their horizon of like things that are out there to do, you know? Yeah. Like if you've got a personality, then maybe you can pick up a camera and this and that, you know? There's, yeah. there's, there's more to it, you know? So many things, man. And the importance of community. You built that, then bang on. Yeah, I like 100%. it. Think progress, not perfection. Chang or what? Let's go. Beautiful. That's it, inshallah? Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to um, just ask one more thing just to finish off. Yeah, I've got one more last question too. Okay, okay bismillah. So, so go make it yeah, go for it. Because mine's a quick like teaser. Okay. One. I feel like you got a deeper question. Coffee. Go what was your go-to coffee? Uh, what coffee. do you mean? Like, what's your, like, when you go to a cafe? Oh, cafe, yeah. yeah. Um, I have... What's your order? I've changed a few. Um, the strong latte. Yeah, I'll have with with one sugar, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes piccolo. Oh, you're a piccolo. If I'm guy. having, uh, yeah, yeah. So like yeah, a long coffee day. tells you a bit about a person. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, piccolo is heavy, man. No, you think so? A little bit. Yeah, I'll tell you, like, there's like expert levels. Do you get what I mean? What do you have? <laughs> I'm on a pickle at the moment. <laughs> okay, you know, yeah. It's heavy. So what do you mean when it's heavy? I mean, I mean, like, the person's heavy. I'm just using an expression. As in, like, there's, like, levels to, like, the coffee world. You know what I mean? You know how you got, you got guys that go... Flat white and that? Hot chockies. No, they start oh, off down hot there. Chocolate know, though, wow. hot that's chocolate, though. Hot chocolate. I won't name names, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's what those <laughs> kids order at the, at, the, at the retreats, the yeah. kids. And then you go to your mockers, <laughs> and then you go up, like, the level, you know what I mean? Nah, so man. Pickle is getting there, you know? Yeah, short black. When I make it at home, just short black. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I love my coffee, man. I love that. I love Same that. as yeah. me. Go yeah. on. Yeah, so I was just going to say, um, for anyone that wanted to join the One Ball program, or know someone that want, wants them to join the program, where can they find it? Yeah, so they can go on our website, oneball.org.au, um, and register. So it would have our locations. And, yeah, once you register, you get emails um, saying, you know, when to come. Um, you know, our program is about to finish in mid-October. So you go from now to mid-October if you want to join. Um, but I think before you join, if parents, if, if any parents want listening to this, you should definitely go to our website and look at what we do. Um, and then, yeah, if there's any question, reach out because, yeah, we'd love to, um, you know, give as many kids opportunity to be in a sporting team yeah no worries we'll put in the show notes for sure anyway for people with access yeah kamal again thank you very much i really appreciate you coming on no honestly it was an honor like you making the time for it and really i admire you a lot with what you're doing and also opening up about your adversity and also doing something about about it for the next generation and you know creating more opportunities so thank you very much thank you guys great great episode thank you i appreciate thank you for having me I feel like, yeah, I mean, there's so many things we can talk about, but I, I really love um, what you guys do um, and, you know, bringing in people and give, you know, not advice, but, you know, <coughs> talk about the experience and you never know which person can relate to, um, you know, what you guys talk about. And, um, yeah, I'd love to keep in touch and hopefully the camp sounds like a great idea for sure yeah um we love it we love a camp we love it yeah yeah <coughs> it's but now yeah. it's just with kids so <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah maybe maybe you know you talk about kids teaching you things you know yeah so why don't you get the kids on the mic and let hear from from them and what they feel about oh. you know things yeah oh. let you know let them take we can we'll know. get we'll get our manager to sign it off and then yeah 
get a permission slip and then yeah absolutely yeah. because i feel like you know they have a lot to say and they don't get the platform to say it's all about <laughs> the adults saying oh kids are this this that blah blah but you know yeah, i like that. that's another thank you yeah. not bad yeah let's go all right guys thank you guys for watching remember to like comment and subscribe and we'll see you in the next one